Tonight, a violent mob and a passenger stabbed. A rash of attacks on public transit. Drivers ambushed with 13-year-old suspects now under arrest. It's scary because uh, you go to work thinking you're going to be okay. When routine rides become high risk. We can't keep calling them isolated incidents if they keep happening. Ticketmaster forced to face the music. We need to do better, and we will do better. Executives interrogated over the Taylor Swift concert fiasco. And the Canadians in the running for an Academy Award. It's incredibly validating and amazing. Contenders competing for Hollywood's most coveted prize. CTV National News with Omar Sachadina. Good evening, everyone. Getting on the subway, bus or streetcar is not supposed to be a dangerous journey. But the biggest public transportation system in the country has now also turned into a target with multiple crime scenes. CTV's Heather Butts with the terrifying incidents on Toronto Transit and the teens who are among the suspects. A random attack in the middle of the afternoon. Police say a suspect stabbed a stranger multiple times on board a downtown streetcar. I saw the woman, mostly female passengers, are running out in shock. And then they said, oh, it's a female stab stabber. A woman in her 40s was arrested at the scene. The victim, a woman in her 20s, rushed to hospital in serious but stable condition. It's scary that it's happening and don't really know if there's anything I can do, what I can do. On Saturday, a driver was shot with a BB gun while waiting for the bus to start her shift. I just kept patting my face, and once I realized, you know, there's no blood, there's nothing there, after I kind of realized, okay, at least it wasn't bullets. Two other operators were swarmed just yesterday. Watch as this bus pulls up to a stop. Moments later, a large group rushes out. A fight ensues with someone knocked to the ground. There were two on-duty uh, TTC operators who were on their way to a relief point uh, to pick, pick up their vehicle. Police say those TTC employees were assaulted by a group of boys. Four of them have been arrested. They're just 13 years old. We've never been exposed to this kind of violence before. These random acts, we can't keep calling them isolated incidents if they keep happening. This swarming attack by a group of young teenagers, the second in a matter of weeks within the city. Eight teenage girls are accused of swarming and killing a homeless man in December. Now we're seeing bigger gangs. It seems to be the case that there's more youth involved. And perhaps that is related to social media and their ability to connect. In a sense, you feel anonymous and you feel invincible and you do things that you normally wouldn't do when you're in a smaller group or when you're alone. So the larger the group gets, the more problematic the behavior is. In a statement today, the union said enough is enough and is advocating for stronger measures for workers who they say do their jobs every day in fear of their lives. Omar. All right, Heather, thank you. A group investigating unmarked graves near the site of a residential school in Alberta says they found evidence of a genocide. CTV's Alberta Bureau Chief Bill Fortier on the findings released today. Each flag in this cemetery marks a spot between graves where a child's bones have been found since 2004 with no gravestone or burial record. These children are not buried in caskets. 
They're just little skeletons in the ground. The group searching for answers on the satellite Cree Nation says children's remains have been accidentally unearthed in more than 100 spots in recent years as crews dig new graves. And I came across uh, some bones, some small bones, and I, was kind of, I guess I was in shock, first of all. And church and government records and ground-penetrating radar suggest there may be many more, including at least one potential mass grave. There are children who don't have burial records and they don't have, they're not listed as deceased in any vital statistics record. It's like they just disappeared off the face of the earth. The bones are believed to be the remains of children who died from tuberculosis while attending the residential school that sat here until 1931 and was then moved here where the building still stands near St. Paul, Alberta. A preliminary report includes disturbing findings. Records show the students drank milk from the school's on-site cows, but there's no indication the school had any pasteurization equipment. These children died in the hundreds from drinking unpasteurized raw cow's milk. And there's evidence the herd was not regularly tested for TB, a glaring problem, according to this historian. That seems like sort of the piece that could potentially be really negligent, that why weren't the cows being tested for, for tuberculosis? And the report's authors allege it was not simple carelessness. We feel that these children were being deliberately infected with tuberculosis. We're here today to talk about genocide. One of the next big steps is an excavation here, the site of one of the suspected mass graves. Then the painful task begins of identification, putting names to the remains of children. Bill Fortier, CTV News, Satellite Cree Nation. Two men skiing in the B.C. backcountry are dead and their guide is recovering in hospital after a powerful avalanche buried them in snow. The brothers from Pennsylvania accessed the site by helicopter, which was near Revelstoke, about 200 kilometers northeast of Kelowna. At least five people have died in B.C. avalanches this year in what forecasters are calling the province's most dangerous season in decades. A tornado outbreak is ripping through Texas, spawning an emergency near Houston. At least seven twisters are pounding the Gulf Coast and leaving behind a trail of destruction. More than 100,000 have lost power. Back-to-back -back mass shootings have sparked a wave of devastation in the U.S. And today, the president renewed calls to ban assault weapons. In a country with more guns than people, Americans have started 2023 with a steady barrage of slaughter. There have been 40 mass shootings so far this year. 73 people have died and 168 have been wounded. Two of the deadliest happening within the past 72 hours. CTV's Los Angeles Bureau Chief Tom Walters on the uncontrollable crisis. A suspect taken into custody after seven people were killed and one wounded at Half Moon Bay, California. Elsewhere, one was killed and eight injured at a gas station in Oakland. 12 wounded at a bar in Baton Rouge, Louisiana. Two killed and three wounded in Illinois. Three killed and a fourth wounded today in North Carolina. Those are just some of the mass shootings that have occurred in the past 72 hours since the massacre at the Stardance Studio in Monterey Park. The flags at the White House were already at half-mast when we learned of the shooting in Half Moon Bay. And the mass shootings so far this year are only a fraction of total gun deaths. Yesterday's gunfire in Des Moines, Iowa that killed two and in Yakima, Washington that killed three didn't claim enough victims to meet the usual definition of a mass shooting. California's governor is clearly losing patience 
with the country's inability to control guns. It's disgraceful. It's offensive to the senses, to common sense, to dignity. California Senator Dianne Feinstein yesterday introduced a bill to reinstate a ban on assault weapons. It's really needed badly. But to show just how unbending the gun rights lobby is. Mr. Steve Scalise. Consider the newly chosen Republican majority leader in the House. I heard Steve Scalise scream. Scalise himself suffered near fatal wounds in a mass shooting in 2017. But since returning to his seat in Congress, he has still voted against gun safety measures at least 10 separate times. Statistically, mass shootings were a daily occurrence in the U.S. before the pandemic. They have nearly doubled since. And so far, Omar, this January is the worst on record. And behind each number is a human life. Tom Walters, thank you. California and seven other states have joined the U.S. government to sue Google, claiming it is abusing its digital dominance. Monopolies threaten the free and fair markets upon which our economy is based. They stifle innovation. They hurt producers and workers. And they increase costs for consumers. The Department of Justice says the search giant unlawfully controlled the technology that powers online ads for 15 years and killed off competition. Another corporation facing monopoly accusations was in the hot seat today in Washington. U.S. lawmakers interrogated an executive from Ticketmaster's parent company Live Nation after November's notorious debacle involving ticket sales for Taylor Swift's upcoming concert tour. CTV's Vanessa Lee reports. No price gouging! No Fed up more. fans took to Capitol Hill. It's the whole truth and nothing but the truth. As lawmakers grilled Ticketmaster's parent company for the chaotic concert ticket meltdown. The way your company handled the uh, ticket sales from the Swift was a debacle. And whoever in your company was in charge of that ought to be fired. God, please! It was nearly impossible for fans to get tickets to Taylor Swift's Eras Tour. The system overloaded under unprecedented demand during the presale. Fans waited hours in an online queue only to leave empty-handed. I'm not getting tickets. <laughs> the website fully crashed. The company eventually canceled public ticket sales because it didn't have enough inventory. It's me. Hi. I'm the problem. It's me. The president of Live Nation is blaming a bot attack. This is what led to a terrible consumer experience, which we deeply regret. We apologize to the fans. Critics have long accused Live Nation and Ticketmaster of being a monopoly. It controls about 70% of the market in the U.S. If you care about the consumer, cap the price. The botched sale reigniting bad blood with the public. We need to make sure we have competition to bring prices down and bring innovation in and stop the fiascos. A group of Taylor Swift fans isn't waiting for Congress to take action. They've filed a class action lawsuit accusing Ticketmaster of fraud, price fixing and antitrust violations. Omar. All right, Vanessa, thanks. A $26 billion deal involving Rogers' takeover of rival Shaw is a step closer to reality tonight after the Federal Court of Appeal rejected a bid to block it. The Competition Bureau argued the merger would be bad for consumers, 
but the court sided with the telecom companies. The federal innovation minister gets final sign-off. François-Philippe Champagne said he will review the ruling and render a decision in due course. And that isn't the only decision the federal government has to make. Another will be how to weather what is expected to be an economic storm. There is still a lot of uncertainty in the world economy. And that means that we do need to continue to take a fiscally prudent approach. The finance minister made those comments at the federal cabinet retreat in Hamilton, Ontario. On the same day, a new report revealed Ottawa's latest projections contain plausible but optimistic assumptions that may be too rosy. Let's bring in CTV News chief political correspondent Vashi Capellos. Vashi, great to have you with us. The associate finance minister used stronger language today and said it would be a turbulent year. So how will this impact how the Liberals govern? Hi, Omar. Two specific ways I think this could potentially affect Canadians. The first is if there is a more severe recession than anticipated, that means less money coming into federal coffers, and that means that the federal government has less money to spend on programs that we enjoy right now or programs that we potentially could in the future. I'm thinking healthcare, pharmacare, they'll simply have less money to commit to those endeavors and we'll be able to access less of it. The second thing I'm watching for is around assistance for people who are struggling with the cost of living. So far, the feds have made that very targeted towards the lower end of the income scale. There's been pressure on them to make it more broad-based because, of course, all Canadians are suffering to some effect under, the, under what's happening with inflation. They've resisted that. I've seen no sign here that, you know, uh, against the backdrop of a potentially severe recession, they're preparing to dole more money out to Canadians. That could, of course, change if inflation starts to go back up. But based on the economic indicators they're looking at and that headwind of a potential recession, my guess is not too likely they'll be offering a lot of support to most Canadians because of inflation. Omar? And high inflation is why we've seen those interest rates rise. Another decision by the Bank of Canada coming tomorrow. Vashi, thank you. More classified documents belonging to the U.S. government have been found where they were not supposed to be. CTV's Washington Bureau Chief Joy Malbin tells us where. Former U.S. Vice President Mike Pence, who's expected to take a run at the presidency, is on the hot seat, contradicting what he told several news networks. Did you take any classified documents with you from the White House? Uh, I, I did not. Pence says he was unaware that a dozen classified documents were boxed up and taken to his Indiana home. If I'm President Obama, I'm calling up my lawyer saying, go look. If I'm President Bush, I'm saying, call, go look, go look now, because I bet you there's stuff there. National secrets seem to be turning up everywhere. At President Joe Biden's Delaware home, four separate batches of classified documents discovered in his garage, a storage room, and one of his think tanks. I think you're going to find there's nothing there. I have no regrets. And last August, after resisting hundreds of classified documents, some marked top secret, were seized by the FBI at Donald Trump's home. Donald Trump is on a legal island on his own because of his obstructionist acts, whereas it seems that uh, President Biden and former Vice President Pence have been cooperating. The Justice Department is investigating both presidents. Trump, though, could face criminal charges for willfully and illegally possessing classified records. He denies wrongdoing and defends Pence as an innocent man. Maybe we're overclassifying things. That may be part of the problem. On Capitol Hill, lawmakers are demanding a review, and they want to know what damage, if any, has been done to national security. Omar? All right, Joy, thank you. Coming up... 
was a great evil. Scoring a spot on the Oscars shortlist. Plus, a four-year-old boy with off-the-charts intelligence. Excitement is building for Hollywood's blockbuster night. Canadians are turning heads and in the hunt for the top trophies. CTV's John Venavelli Rao on who's in the running for an Oscar. While high-flying Hollywood sequels to Top Gun and Avatar each scored big with several nominations each, including Best Picture. Leading the pack, the playful sci-fi adventure, everything, everywhere, all at once. Don't make me fight you. I am really good. In all, getting 11 Oscar nods, followed closely by Netflix's All Quiet on the Western Front and the dark comedy Banshees of Inishirin, both earning nine. I didn't watch the nominations being read this morning because I was too nervous. Canadian writer-director Domi Shi thrilled to hear her set in Toronto film Turning Red is up for Best Animated Feature. I'm It's the story of a Chinese-Canadian girl navigating puberty. It's a lot. And the film had an all-female leadership team. Yeah, it's incredibly validating and amazing. Todd Field, Tar. Many shocked, though, there were no women named in the Best Director category. Some thought Canadian Sarah Pauly would make the list for her film, Women Talking. But that day, we learned how to vote. Though it did get nominations for Best Adaptive Screenplay and Best Picture, catching Polly by surprise, who shortly afterwards tweeted, expectations were low for today. Here I am at a routine doctor's appointment. I really didn't plan this day right. Toronto's Daniel Rohrer got a Best Documentary nod for his feature about jailed Russian opposition leader Alexei Navalny. I don't want Putin being president. <laughs> While this was the playful moment a Canadian team found out, they were nominated for Best Animated Short for their film about the 1917 Halifax explosion. Well, it's the cherry on the top of the Sunday, I guess, but we um, it, it just means that the film is being seen by more people. With the Oscar winners to be revealed March 12th. John Venavalli Rao, CTV News, Toronto. Canadian pop star Justin Bieber has joined a growing list of artists selling their back catalogs. I need you to hold. Hypnosis song management is paying Bieber a reported $200 million U.S. for the singer's share of publishing copyrights and royalties. Still ahead. They don't see the sign, or they see it and they pretend not to see it. Renewed calls for safer streets and school zones. Hundreds of parents and children were part of the growing chorus across Quebec today calling for safer streets around schools. Here's CTV's Quebec Bureau Chief Geneviève Beauchemin. School zones turned into protest zones in several cities across Quebec today. In Montreal, parents and children demanded cars slow down, saying drivers rushing to work ignoring speed limits must remember Maria. The seven-year-old girl escaped war in Ukraine, but she was killed here in December just walking to school. Like they don't see the sign or they see it and they pretend not to see it. I don't know, but it's something that needs to change. Last year, 20 pedestrians were killed in Montreal and the number of deaths and serious injuries has climbed across the province. In Toronto, the numbers have dropped. There were 22 deaths, fewer than in any other year in over a decade. An indication to some Vision Zero is starting to pay off. 
Zero. The strategy aiming for zero pedestrian deaths and serious injuries is based on a Swedish road safety program. It has cost Toronto $269 million since it was introduced in 2016. Measures include new advanced walk signals and tighter enforcement of speed limits. Montreal too adopted the strategy in 2017. We are here today to say enough. But safety and public transit advocates say efforts in Quebec have not kept up pace with cars speeding through city streets, that not enough has been done. And parents here today said governments have to learn the lessons of Maria's death. Geneviève Beauchemin, CTV News, Montreal. After the break. So he could count to 100 before he was two. We meet Teddy, the boy genius from Britain. A young child in the UK has joined the exclusive Mensa Club that only allows the world's smartest people to become members. Here's CTV's Danielle Hamamjan. His name is Teddy, and Teddy can do things I, and likely you, could not do at his age or even today. And on and on he goes in French and six other languages. So he could count to a hundred before he was two in English. Um, but I just assumed, you know, every child has their own quirk. Each child develops slightly quicker in something else than the other ones. And we just assumed that was his thing and that was fine and that it, that, that would be the end of it. And I need lots and lots of blue bits. Actually, that was no, just the beginning. At age two, Teddy taught himself to read. By now, age four, he's become Britain's youngest member of Mensa, a global organization for those with a high IQ. And a pterodactyl. During the pandemic, when his peers were watching Teletubbies, he was asking for something else. I mean, he was adamant he only wanted to watch the educational ones. And again, you're there as a parent, you're there like, well, if you're asking for education, like, go for it. And then he suddenly started picking up on it. Um, and I remember messaging other people in sort of our WhatsApp group being like, is, there, is anybody else's child trying to do this? And sort of the answers came back as, no, no, they're not. It's not we are. Yeah. Teddy can read Harry Potter, but somehow that's not as impressive as what he chose that one time at the bookshop. Choose whatever book you want, and he chose first thousand words in Mandarin. Mandarin, by the way, is considered the most difficult language in the world. I'm so lucky. Danielle Hamamjin, CTV News, London. The end. Exceptional stuff. And that's a snapshot of this Tuesday for all of us at CTV National News. Thank you for watching. Good night.